Success is when you bring out the best in other people. In other words, there's, a, there's kind of an old joke, kind of a funny saying that everybody lights up a room. Some people light it up when they walk into it, and some people light it up when they walk out of it. I want to be the person that lights it up when they walk into it. I want to I bring the best out in other people. And to me, that's, that's a measure of success. Greetings and gratitude to you all. Welcome to the X Factors to Success podcast show. I am your host, Ruggiero Fratacangeli, also known as the G-Man. Welcome, welcome, everyone, and thank you for stopping by at the show. And uh, it's going to be a great one today because I have a special guest. As I, you always know, I always bring those unique, inspiring, influential guests on our show. Before we get started, I'd like to start off with a quote by one of my favorite authors, Robin Sharma. And it's in direct relationship with our guest today. It's about leadership. Quote, leadership is not about a title or a designation. It's about impact, influence, and inspiration. Impact involves getting results. Influence is about spreading the passion you have for your work. And you have to inspire yourself, your teammates, the customers that you're serving, and so on. So, today's guest, we have an awesome, successful person that really served that country. Her name is uh, retired Navy pilot, Captain Karen Bitzel. Yes, and she has seen the word leadership used in many contexts and wondered what makes for a great leader. Karen believes that leadership is a matter of training, discipline, and practice. You will benefit from learning military methodology that works right here on the X Factors to Success show. You may think that, well, is this another self-proclaimed leadership expert spouting the latest platitudes? Not hardly. Karen is a fusion of tough-minded senior military leader, a successful corporate executive, and a gifted speaker and trainer. She retired after 30 years as one of the Navy's most senior female Navy aviators. She's also one of the few naval aviators of either gender to qualify as an aircraft commander in fly helicopters, propeller, and jet aircraft. After a commanding officer tour, she served as an instructor on the elite Navy leadership training team and then translated that service and success in the corporate world. Captain Bazell has the resume of a practitioner serving organizations such as NASA, Microsoft High Performers, and Departments of State and Defense, and many, many more. She was honored in 2015 to be named one of the nation's top 101 leadership speakers by New York Times bestseller author Kevin Cruz. Without further ado, please welcome retired Navy Captain Karen Bitzel. Welcome, okay. welcome, welcome, Karen. Can I call you Karen? You can, please do. Okay. I feel much more comfortable. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be with you, Rogero. I'm joining you from my home in Memphis, Tennessee, and it's great to talk with you again. Beautiful. Tennessee. That is awesome. I love it. I, I visited Tennessee some years ago, and uh, Memphis, of course, land of Elvis Presley. And, yes, indeed. And I love also, of course, Nashville, one of my favorite cities uh, in this country. Well, Karen, thank you so much for uh, taking your time to spend time with us uh, for the next uh, 30 minutes or so on the X Factors to Success. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you and having you, uh, seeing you on on stage giving a, uh, two uh, wonderful speeches and presentations at the annual Toastmasters Conference this past year in District 46 in New York City. So, And you inspired me and I said, I have to have this wonderful, successful woman on the show and to share with my audience. So Karen, Thank you again, and welcome. I look forward to uh, having a great time here. 
Me too. Me too. So, Karen, I'm going to start off just with my first question that I ask everyone. What is your definition of success? I know you have over the years of being in the military and uh, a pilot. So how would you share with your definition? It's an interesting question because my answer to that has changed over my life. When I was a younger person, I thought success was something different than I think that it is now. In, in this sixth decade of my life, I would say my definition has refined itself. And I believe that, that the best capture of it is to say, success is when you bring out the best in other people. In other words, there's, a, there's kind of an old joke, kind of a funny saying that everybody lights up a room. Some people light it up when they walk into it and some people light it up when they walk out of it. Oh. I want to be the person that lights it up when they walk into it. <laughs> I want to I want to bring the best out in other people. And to me that's that's a measure of success. I didn't always think that way. I used to think that pro- getting promoted, making more money, right. You know, the t- the typical trappings of success that you you might uh, think about as the popular notions of it, but I've come to believe that bringing out the best in other people is really what success is all about. I actually, I'm kind of, this might creep you out a little bit when I tell you this, but I really love, I love cemeteries. Oh, Cemeteries to me are peaceful, calm places and places that I really can find myself doing great reflection. And when I walk through a cemetery, I always read tombstones because I'm a perpetually curious person and I'm always wondering, well, what can I learn from this person from their tombstone? Right. And most of the time, it's the typical stuff. But I saw a tombstone one time that I've never forgotten. And the, the epitaph was just the one, it was a woman, the woman's name. Yeah. And it didn't give her dates of birth and death or beloved mother, or beloved wife, like meant so many tombstones do. It said her name, and underneath it, it said, she brought out the best in others. And I thought, wow. 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 What? What an awesome epitaph! That <laughs> if that's worthy of being carved in granite. Yeah, if, if, you know. And I thought that gave me something to think about to this very day. So to me, when I think about success, that's that's the domain I think about it now. I love it. Thank you. That you yeah. know what? It just made me think about. It's funny that you're saying that because uh, I have to be quite frank with you. I do a lot of traveling in my training business, and I too will go to cemeteries. Or just stop, especially the old ones. I go up into the areas and I see these from the 1800s, and you say, "What were the mindset of the individuals who are here, resting here, and what was their thought process?" Even from the beginning of the, of the country, we're in, in, you know, again in the United States. And those of you who are listening right now, you're probably listening from anywhere in the world, and and I'm sure even in your country, folks. What is it about the dreams that many people took with them? and never came to fruition. Mm-hmm. That's something I've been thinking about too. We, you know, I, there's a, um, a speaker out there, I'm sure maybe you know it, Les Brown. He's been out for, for a long, mm-hmm. long time. Oh yes. I had an opportunity to be with him a couple of times in the past uh, four or five years. And he quoted this, one of the most precious places in the world are cemeteries. And it's interesting that you're saying that because mm-hmm. people die with full of dreams. And he says always this, live full, die empty make a difference mm-hmm. in the world. It's amazing how just everything ties up. So thank you for sharing that and kind of stimulating some ideas. And those of you who are listening right now, hey, 
you know, uh, you're probably thinking about the same thing. Maybe next time you pass by a cemetery, maybe you want to stop and read the tombstones and see what the inspiration you can get from there. So thank you, uh, Cameron, for that wonderful opening here on Defining Success. Now, Cameron, I'm sure people are saying, well, um, I, I shared your bio and uh, Navy, Navy, a retired Navy pilot, and you're one of the first women in, in the aviation uh, world. That uh, Can you talk about more about, uh, give us a, what inspired you? What motivated you to go into aviation and being a pilot? And- <laughs> That's that story. Your listeners might be surprised to hear that my story is not typical. When you talk to many people in aviation, particularly in military aviation, they often have a family heritage. My dad, my uncle. I was inspired by by a family member. In fact, at the time and place when I went through. Uh, military training, there were so few women. I got to know almost all of them uh, personally because there was such a small number of us. And many of those women were just from that from that profile. Their dads, mostly, or brothers, were military pilots, and they had this family heritage of wanting to serve. And that's, that's very typical in the military. We've become a generational military where uh, many people follow in the, in the family footsteps steps, so to speak. But for me, that was not the case. Uh, I joined the Navy to um, see the world and to chase an opportunity that I knew was not, or at least I was pretty sure, was not going to happen in the small town that I grew up in. I'm a working class kid. I do not come from uh, money or wealth. Um, My parents uh, were working class people who earned their living with their hands and their back. Mm-hmm. They, they grew up um, very poor and managed to, to make a, a working class home for me and my brother and my sister. But it was, it was a rural area. And I knew that unless I wanted to be a teacher or a nurse, which were seemed to be the only real options for professional women. <laughs> yes. Um, I had to do something else and joining the Navy and join, well, joining the military actually, uh, not so much the Navy, but joining the military became a very impulsive decision on actually one day. Wow. It wasn't, it wasn't something that I thought over long and hard or pondered or got advice. And I went down to the recruiting office, which at the, this recruiting office was, was odd because it, I actually could stand in a geographic place and look in all four doors of each of the four services, the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, and the Air Force. Okay. So I could, I could, this was not only a symbolic crossroads, it was a physical crossroads. If I went north, south, east, east or west, west, I was going to, I was going to end up in one of the different services. And I had, I uh, had a mild preference for the Air Force, only because my brother had served in the Air Force and as an enlisted man during the uh, Vietnam War. Oh. And I thought, well, okay, well, I'll try that. So I walked in and the, um, it, this was Jimmy Carter's military, by the way. So right. this was a, a while ago gotcha. and, um, it was after the drawdown of Vietnam, they were not taking just everybody. Um, and the people that they did take, uh, the military was going through a real difficult transition in the post Vietnam years. Yeah, right. And, um, the, the recruiter said, unless you have a computer or math degree, we are not interested in taking you as an officer. And so I said, well, my degree's in economics, and I'm not going back to college to get a second degree. So I walked back out to that place in the middle of the hallway where I now had three options. (laughs) And the Marine Corps was at lunch, so now I have two options. 
And the Army and the Navy guys were both sitting at their desks, furiously working away at their desks, the uh -huh. recruiters. And I looked at both of them, and the Navy guy glanced up at me and made eye contact first. And so I said, okay, I guess That's I'll it. go this direction. <laughs> so I, I don't want anybody to have this um, romantic notion that I have this inspiring story of how uh, I ended up in the military because it wasn't like that. Okay. But but I believe in grace and I believe in the the energy of the universe sort of follows the, good good juice, good karma, uh -huh. and and that's always served me well and always followed me. So I went in there and I told him what I wanted to do, and he said, "Do you you, you want to test for an officer?" And I said, "Yes." And he goes, "Well, are you interested in flying?" And I said, no, I'm not interested in flying. I know nothing about airplanes. I have a degree in economics. Is that amazing? I just, I, yeah, I just want to get out of here. Just put me on the next bus away from here. I want to, I want to go somewhere else. Right. And he said, okay, I can do that. So I, I spent my first two years in the Navy learning. I lived in Japan. I was sent. I asked to be sent far away, and I was oh, sent wow. pretty far away. What an experience that was. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was. I was sent as far as I can go without starting to head back if I kept going. So I uh, spent two years in, in Japan, and then I really pondered my future in the Navy and said, you know, I, I want to, this is the combat arms. I, I don't want to be an unrestricted line officer, which is sort of a general administrative officer. Okay. I, I want to be a operator, and I could either fly ships or, or drive ships uh -huh. or fly, fly airplanes at that time. And, but they were taking such few numbers of women, it was quite an ordeal to get selected for that. Uh -huh. But I did. And um, that's how I ended up in aviation. So, Wow. What it, a... it, it, it was a Forrest Gump story. Um, <laughs> well, you, have four, I... you had four choices, and two were out to lunch, and the Navy, <laughs> Navy recruiting officer uh, acknowledged you first, and the rest is history. And it's it amazing. It now, wh where were you... Um, uh, where were you residing during a t during this time uh, in uh, Tennessee or? No, no. I, I grew up in Maryland in a very small town in Maryland. Okay. And um, I haven't been back there since because I've been on uh, this this journey of life that I've been on has taken me to lots of different places um, in the United States and abroad. Right. Uh, some with the military and then some. I married an airline pilot. I married a fellow Navy pilot who went on to be an airline pilot. So we moved around a lot. Okay. And uh, that we currently uh, moved to Tennessee about two years ago. Super. Well, great. Thank you for sharing with that. Again, folks, those of you listening, you know, divine intervention, God, spirit, that will uh, align you in the direction of your purpose. You know, I always talk about purpose and being clear of purpose, but sometimes when you have these images and these events that are happening in your crossroads, you have to make a choice and, and you have to believe in the karma. You got to believe in the faith, faith, have faith in it. One of the X factors mm -hmm. to success, Karen, that uh, I teach in my workshops is faith, family and friends, fitness, mm -hmm. finance, and fun. I call it the circle of Fs. And it's yeah. a, it's a, it's the pentagon of foundation of one's direction in where they are moving from where they are to where they're going. And I really like that. Yeah. I really like yeah. that. And it's I, very holistic. Yes, yeah. it is. And, and I'm working on my book on that, on those five major key areas. And we look about faith and believing yourself and having, having that, that notion that you have the clarity of who you are, what you are moving forward. Part of the, uh, the fitness is the spiritual fitness and also the, the mind fitness and, and the physical fitness. And I guess you exude those uh, qualities, uh, X factors, in your journey uh, the last uh, decades as a, as a pilot. So can you talk more about, um, as a woman, 
And those of you who are listening there, male and female and no gender, and you're probably saying, wow, she flew planes, helicopters. I mean, you've you, you, you done this here. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a, give us a short little experience. How did it feel when you get behind a, uh, an aircraft like that? And w- can you just share with us, with the audience? I can. It was extraordinary, is what I can tell you. The, I did not come with a military or an aviation background, so I was starting really from um, absolute scratch. And the idea that if you apply yourself, if you work hard enough, if you focus, there's really very little in this life that you cannot do. I won't say that you can do anything. In fact, I think that's a romantic myth that, oh, you can be anything you want. Nah, no, but there are a million things that you can be. And one that I chose to be was a pilot. And the first time that I soloed in a Navy aircraft where the government handed me the keys to a, a very expensive trainer and said, go out for two hours and come back and don't hurt yourself or anybody else. Wow. And we'd like the airplane, airplane back in one piece. <laughs> And, you know, I was like 23 years old. It's like, this is it. This is it. You're in it, girl. Uh, (laughs) This is in it. And then each step along the way became progressively more challenging and more difficult. Flying aboard ship, flying at night, uh, working with the crew, making sure you were doing a mission. All of those things kind of built on themselves to to go back to what you said, that um, if you approach things holistically and with the right focus, there's very little in this life you cannot do. Mm. Not everything, but there, you, you can do a lot. You can do. You can fill up a lifetime with no problem, and that's that was what happened with me in aviation. Super, wow. Now I know that you are uh, doing uh, workshops and you have a brand called Battle X, and I, uh, you, <laughs> I love it. I do. I, I, I do I it. Do. And right behind you, uh, folks, you can't see this right <laughs> here. But uh, when I when I when I heard uh, Karen speak. Uh, at, it was a it was a morning it was a morning uh, presentation in the afternoon or evening uh, dinner presentation mm-hmm. and and really uh, capture you, know, you talk you talk about leadership fellowship organization climate diversity those are key key things that you uh, teach yeah. out there can you share with us how uh, the work that you're doing right now how is it empowering you but more importantly how is it inspiring others in the organizations that you're speaking I know you spoke at NASA you do work with the uh, uh, Department of States and Defense right now you're really sharing your experience as as a retired captain uh, pilot now into the civilian world can you give us a little bit of a insight there sure um, my business model uh, when I started when I left the Navy and, and started my own business I focused on three areas on consulting um, training and speaking and just like everything else in my life, I didn't exactly know what I was doing. I was sort of making it up as I went along. <laughs> and uh, as it's rolled now in the past 10 or 12 years, sometimes I'm doing a lot more consulting, sometimes I'm doing a lot more training, and other times I'm doing a lot more speaking. And the fates have been good to me that no matter how the wind blew, I was always able to adjust my sail and, and go with it. The theme that connects all of those three pieces, training, consulting, and speaking is a desire to help people realize their potential mm. and and that right now my the um, focus of my work in 2018 and it looks like it's going to be or 2019 and it looks like it's going to be my 2020 focus is um, heavily into consulting and I do a lot of work with um, personal performance um, organizational development organizational culture uh, skills and communication 
all of those domain things that people sometimes derisively refer to as soft skills. Yeah. There's nothing soft about but them. them. Right. Um, you can teach uh, mathematics and engineering the hard skills and <clears throat> all day long because that is that is math. But this is art. And working with people to develop their soft skills, and I hate that term. I actually think they are, they're, they're, we have to come up with come a another word. word. Yeah, I agree with you. There, there's nothing soft about them. And, it, it, and any person who works in HR who's listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. The people who end up in the HR office as problem employees are not the ones who can't master the work. It's they cannot get along with other human right. beings. And so th that's where we work. And I work at it in, on individual coaching level with people on their specific communication styles or their ability to have difficult conversations. And I work at sort of the larger level with organizations and their organizational culture and the direction that they want their organizations to, to head. So that's sort of what I'm doing. Okay. And it's all tied together with the theme of making people realize their own potential. Now, you you touched one thing that already uh, I've been contemplating quite a bit. Uh, organizations have cultures and they have a certain kind of a foundation which resonates into product and services. And it, each individual plays a big part of customer satisfaction, inspiring, empowering, and being passionate. What, what would you say with the, um, you know, we have this terminology, millennials out there mm -hmm. working in the corporate world and you have this future Gen Zs coming in right now. What do you, what do you see the corporations and, and, coming from your background into the civilian corporate world, where do you see that we need work on? Well, that, that's, a, that's a big question. question. You and I could talk for, it's a, we could talk for a week about that. I, but I'll, I'll key in first on, you said coming from where I come from. Right. I, I worked essentially half of my career with millennials as, as I aged. When you spend 30 years in any place, sure. you're, you're gonna end up with a, a workforce that's younger than you. And I'll tell you a story about one night on board USS Abraham Lincoln. And uh, if you've never seen uh, the flight deck of a carrier, yep. the word awesome is is the, is appropriate. Karen, I live in New York City and the, uh, the, so you, you the, one, know it. the one on the you, west side there. Yeah, yeah you know it. Price. Well, for, for, your, for your folks who haven't had the pleasure of seeing what their tax dollars have bought for the Navy, uh, an aircraft carrier is four and a half acres of sovereign America that can go anywhere in the world. And it's the most dangerous place in the world to work at night. It's really, truly a ballet. And what a lot of people don't realize is an aircraft carrier is manned. Um, the average age of a aircraft carrier sailor is about 22, 23 years old. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, well, stand by. Yes, the, the military is very young. Stand by, because the average age on the flight deck, because those are almost all the junior sailors, is more like 19 or 20. So I've seen millennials do work that will astound you. Oh, okay. Um, and the key is that they are given autonomy and they are given direction and they are given training. So when I hear fo folks fuss about the millennials and they need a lot of hand-holding and they need a trophy every two hours and all, all this nasty stuff that's said about them. It doesn't track with the millennials I know. And that night that I was talking about on the USS Abraham Lincoln, flight deck ops, it's the Northern Pacific, Pacific off the coast of California. Okay. And 
a young man uh, working on the flight deck got too close to the jet blast of a, of a departing aircraft and was blown over the big nets and over the side. Now, over the side of a carrier is 90 feet to the water. So that's like 90 feet falling into concrete because the water is is, is a hard sure, surface sure, when sure. you hit it at that speed and velocity from that distance. Now, he had on his float coat, which is a self-activated flight um, life preserver. preserver right. but, what, yeah, but what it does not do is it will bring him to the surface, but it does not turn you over if you're on your face. Right and you're uh, unconscious. So against all training and against all common sense. Protocols, right? Yes, a young sailor who watched him go over the side went right in after him. Amazing. At, in the dark, in the cold, cold Pacific. And those guys don't wear uh, wetsuits or anything. Sure. They're just wearing dungaree pants and shirts. Well, now, a carrier during flight ops always has a rescue uh, helicopter uh, in the air. So to make a long story short and not to get drama, fortunately, both of these young men were recovered within a few minutes. And ha despite having a few cuts and bruises and, and uh, quite a story to tell, they were none the worse for wear. But the young man I want to tell you about is not the one who got blown over, but the one who, who chose, jumped in. Who jumped in. Uh -huh. Now you might think, well, this kid had a hero complex, or he was a lifeguard in another, in his future, in his past, or something. Right. No, he was a Navy third-class swimmer, which means there's no lower level than third class. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was a, basically a rock. Right. <laughs> he could he could get him he could get himself into a life jacket. That's about what a third-class swimmer can do. But he said that he thought his shipmate hit his head on the way over the side yeah. when he was blown over and he was worried that he could not right himself on the surface of the water and that, that he would drown because he was unconscious. You know, he would be on the yeah, surface, sure. but he, he couldn't get his face out uh -huh. of the water. So he said, I just went in after. That's the millennials I know. I love it. Karen. So, uh, wow. I, it, I, I'm, I'm pretty high on this generation. Yeah, they're a little different than we are, and guess what? We were a little different than our parents were, and they were a little different than, than their parents were. But um, there's courage and nobility and brilliance in this generation, and I see it every day. Uh, thank so, you. Wow. That's I'm a, not worried. No, great story. I, I really appreciate that. And those of you who are listening, folks, I know I have a, a very diverse audience, uh, Karen, who uh, check into our to the podcast I've been producing lately, and uh, you really enlightened uh enlighten me uh, as well and giving me a little more insight and more again see how we're learning bringing my guest mm -hmm. here for like yourself karen uh, really uh, lifts up to our spirit so good uh, and it, there's a lot of promise out there for our country and and there for is. anyone out there so there is karen thank you Cameron, what would you say that you're most grateful for lately again that's a that's a question like your other question it's changed over time i am grateful now i'm grateful to my parents uh, who both, while they did not and were not able to, through circumstances, to give me a lot of things that I thought I really needed and wanted when I was a younger person, they gave me a work ethic. Mm. And that, ha that has opened the world for me to get anything I want. So rather than, it's kind of that you teach a man to fish, if you give him a fish, fish you feed him for a day, day, but if you, yeah, if you teach him to fish, you give him the whole ocean. That's something I'm grateful for now because I look at um, other folks and 
they say you should never compare yourself to other people, but when I compare myself to the gifts that other folks were given, money, prestige, a fancy education, um, nothing has paid off to me as much as the gift of a work ethic from my, my family, my parents. Um, and of course, as you get older, you're grateful for your, your beloved, uh, the beloved family members that you have. Right. And the last thing that I'm totally grateful for, and this won't be a surprise to you, is I was born in this place in this time. Because that, that, yeah. that, that is a fortune that had nothing to do with me. I, we all could have been born in much dire circumstances, right. and we weren't. The divine so, uh, gave yeah. us the opportunity and gave you opportunity right. in, in, in this time. Uh, beautiful. Well, what's one book would you share with the audience that inspires you the most? I, I can't answer one, but I'll give you two, and I'll okay. be quick about We'll both. take two now, okay? <laughs> That's <laughs> okay, a freebie, folks. <laughs> now I'll throw in a freebie. Uh, Probably the two, two most influential books in my life, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave sacred books out of it. Um, so I won't talk about the Bible. That's kind of a, a no-brainer if you're a Christian. But yeah, I'm, 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 that's one of my books also as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but I, I'm, I'm, I'll talk about secular books. The first one is The Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck, and M. Scott Peck, who mm -hmm. wrote a series of books. But this one was written back in the uh, mid-'80s, and uh, most prof profound books I probably ever read, coupled closely, if not equal to, um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. Now, both of those books have something in common. There are very few new ideas in those books. What both of those books do is capture ancient wisdom in a way that a modern person can understand, and that's what they did for me. Agreed. Uh, I have a whole library in my studio here from the book you just mentioned, mm -hmm. and, and then some, of course, I have multiple copies, and of course, even Jack Canfield's The Success Principles that uh, I'm a certified <laughs> trainer in his work and they're all now brought into more of a modern platform so you're easy to understand. And Again, I remember who told me this. Uh, all the religions out there, all the different religions out there, all the wisdom out there are all brought in today in, in a contemporary format. And mm -hmm. it's not new, and we, we'll continue on doing that. That's awesome. So would you share with us a specific uh, time? Now I'm going to bring this back a little bit here where you created something that you failed at. And I hate to use the word failure because I know that we are both uh, failure gets you closer to to your goal. But what's one failure that changed your trajectory? Besides, we, we, we talked about the, the, uh, the four um, branches at the uh, recruiting office there and then you chose mm -hmm. the Navy there. What's one, one area that you failed at but it made a big difference in, uh, currently, what would you say? a compelling question hmm. something I failed at that caused me to change directions or enhanced or enhanced direction well actually I've had it's not that it's not that I have trouble thinking of the failures in my life hmm. believe me <laughs> <clears throat> um, any honest person can probably I, them I vouch for that quickly. myself too as well <laughs> being vulnerable however I will say that the failures in my life caused me to double down on my efforts it, but they were always in the same direction. In other words, when I failed, it wasn't, it, it, that goes back to something I learned in the Naval War College. Okay. And this, this, is, this is a really great takeaway for your audience. It's a very important to distinguish between a bad idea 
and a good idea badly executed. I like that. And, yeah, it's very powerful. And most of my failures were good ideas that I failed to execute properly. So what I needed to do was not go back and change direction. I didn't need to pivot. I needed to learn how to execute better in the same direction as opposed to go back and say, this was a terrible idea to begin with, uh, go in an entirely different direction. And that, I think, is a very useful tool everywhere in your life to distinguish between a bad idea and a good idea badly executed. When things are a mess and you look back and say, why? That's a good question to ask. And um, for example, <clears throat> I have, have had issues where I failed a, um, a test in school, for example. Well, it was a good idea to study that day, and I didn't do it. I executed poorly. <laughs> Instead, I, I went out and partied or, you know, who hot around and, and didn't apply myself. Well, it wasn't, that doesn't mean you go out and you quit your, your degree. It means you go back to work, work, stay home, stay out of the clubs, and go home and work. So those are the sorts of things where I would say that, that it illustrates the example of that. I like that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much there. And uh, it reminds me of, a, I guess, the Thomas Edison. And he failed multiple times, right? But we enjoy yeah. the light bulb. We enjoy light, right? Yes, we do. And how yes, many times do. over and over and over again he failed that? And he well, failed and, over. And ima imagine if he had said, well, this is just a bad idea. Uh, right. You know, over Instead, 10. Rather, no, this is a good idea. I just didn't execute it correctly. Correct. And That's after a perfect ten, example. After 10,000 times, you know, that, you know, 10,000 10, ways not to, but the 10,001 mm -hmm. time he's, he's succeeded to it. So it reminds me, thank Correct. you. Well, Karen, I, I know that uh, we're coming to almost to a, a kind of a closure, I hate to use a closure, but uh, uh, of your time uh, here at the, the Expected to Success. So I, I really appreciate that, folks. I, I hope you're really getting something valuable here. Great content, great inspiring background information from uh, uh, retired Captain uh, Karen. I call you Karen. <laughs> That's That's all. Right. I feel you. That's I still right. have, you know, have the respect to call you uh, Captain Capitana. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but we're friends enough that you better call me yeah, Karen. She got it. So Karen, uh, before we, we say farewell, uh, what what legacy and an imprint that you want to leave behind? Let's say it's a it's 150 years from now, and they look at you, uh, you find your work and battle axe, and they find the work that you've done over the years. What would you, uh, what would you leave behind for those who will read? And I know you have your your granddaughter there, right? Or right. Mm -hmm. I I would like to leave I would like to leave um, a legacy of gratitude in my family. That for them to appreciate what we have right, and, and understand that all of us, that's one of the reasons why I love cemeteries so much. It, it reminds me, not in a creepy way, but in a healthy way, in a holy way, we're all here on borrowed time. Yep. None of us know what tomorrow brings if, if we're going to have a tomorrow. So we ought to be grateful. And that's a pretty common thing right now is, is the, gra the gratitude movement. And I think it's a great and good thing because we, especially here in America, the richest, most wealthiest abundance that people have ever known. Amen. We forget that. Yep. We forget that. So um, that is probably one of the first things I'd like to leave as a legacy is gratitude for what we have and, and the stewardship that goes along with gratitude to take care of it. I love it. And I know I, I practice a, uh, a ritual every morning, the attitude of gratitude. I'll say five major things in the morning. Do you have, by the way, do you have any rituals 
that you do that, that keeps you in line and focused with the, yes. the work that you're doing? If you want to share with us. Well, I, I have, I actually use that, that monster of a cell phone yep. to, to discipline myself. <laughs> and this is my other master, the Fitbit. Oh, which yeah. Has, has, has done more for my um, physical health since I left uh, initial training than anything else. But I spend, I spend about um, two miles on the road in the morning um, by myself, and I like to go when it's dark, and that centers me very much for the day. Hmm. And uh, the rest of my day is delightfully undisciplined, and I do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, may I ask you, how early morning uh, are you? Again, again, one of the success principles also is that early, the 5 a.m. club by Raman Sharma, one of the books that... Uh, I've been following, and, yeah. and uh, I, I have his audio book, I have his book, and I, you know, at the 5 a.m. club, those who get up that early have, no, the early bird, I guess the early yes, bird. Yeah, I'm very much an early bird, but going along with being an early bird is I like to be in bed very early. I am no fun to party with anymore because <laughs> I want to go to bed. So um, this morning it was a little earlier than usual. I was out at 540 or 4.45, but that was because I couldn't sleep. Uh, but most days it's it's in the dark. Super. Well, thank you for the sh sharing your insight there. So before we say farewell, what last comments? Um, actually, once again, where can we find you? Where can the audience find you? Where can pe people reach out? And uh, so just give us uh, where where are you in social media? Well, and then I'll put it on the show notes. Okay. My two my two best contacts are the website, which you, you're going to share that with the folks at www.truebattleaxe.com. And I have a Facebook page, Battle Axe Consulting. Or you can Google my name and get my private Facebook page, but you'll see mostly pictures of my dog. So I think you would you would want to go to the my um, business website for for this sort of conversation. Sure, sure. and I, I would love that. And um, I just want to say thank you. Uh, it was such a pleasure to meet all of you in New York at the District 46 conference this spring, and I particularly enjoyed talking with you and uh, share. You're sharing your love of country with me, which is yeah. very meaningful. So thank you for, for well, Jared. I really appreciate that. Karen, thank thank you, and, and thank you for your service uh, for this country. I came here literally off the boat as a little mm -hmm. child on the Henry Hudson in New York, and I came here from Italy, and my parents knew that you come here, you work hard, work smart, respect, and all the principles and values, and, and that's why I, I carry the, I have the flag outside my door uh, every day, lit up also, properly lit, mm -hmm. and properly have staff when, when necessary. And I am gr grateful for this country to giving me the opportunity to to uh, to be inspiring, to empower, and to educate, have children, and uh, meet people like you, Karen. And, and again, Good. and I was very fortunate to have, we have very, very fortunate to have you at the Toastmasters. And uh, I'm going to share this podcast with all the network folks. And uh, okay, I know our, our district director. Uh, you've listened to this here, and Mark uh, mm -hmm. will be listening to this and sharing with his uh, old group here uh, in New York. Well, that was that was a great time. You guys were so gener such generous hosts. Yeah, well, thank you, and hopefully yeah. see you again first. So, but before we say farewell, uh, what are the last uh, comments or uh, uh, inspiring encouragements to the audience out there? Well, I would I would ask everybody to just look around themselves. Just take a moment and look around and um, understand we're we're all fearfully and wonderfully and delightfully unique, and there's something inside you that somebody else needs today. So give it to them. Awesome. Well, you heard that, folks. Retired captain. Karen Patel, also known as Karen. <laughs> so, Karen, we thank you so much for taking your valuable time to be on the X Factors to show um, your your content and your your sharing your story with us here in this very short period of time will hopefully inspire others out there who are listening. And folks, um, 
share this podcast, rate this podcast, and and share it. I mean, maybe someone could be inspired. Um, a woman out there going some cho- choices and maybe going into the military. And uh, th- there's a lot here, folks. So thank you very much. So, Karen, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, we start off uh, our, our new last quarter of the year, 2019. And those of you who have goals, who have leadership, go ahead and check out Battle X there on the on, uh, on website. You could probably get some more information and get that book there, uh, Stepping Stones to Success. I'm sure you'll find that very valuable. And uh, reach out to Karen. I'm sure she'll reach out to you and and tell you her bet. tell her that you heard her on the X Factors <laughs> to Success. So Karen, have a wonderful day and you too. Uh, and thank you so much. So folks, you've been listening to the X Factors to Success podcast show with the G Man and of course the wonderful uh, retired Captain Karen Batel. Have a wonderful day. Be inspired. As I say always, live with purpose, passion, and make a difference. <laughs>